to God's infallible book as we welcome you to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. This program is the radio voice of Grace School of the Bible and is brought to you by Christian people who believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. At the heart of our ministry is the desire to help you appreciate and rejoice in the riches of God's grace to us in Christ. That's why we call this program the Riches of Grace. We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, President of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word of God. Thank you, Alex, and welcome again, my friend, to another opportunity for us to study together in God's Word. It's a real joy uh, to be able to turn to the pages of the Word of God and how the Spirit of God to speak to us through His Word. Can I remind you that we meet here uh, right here at this place on the dial at this time of the week uh, each week uh, for a Bible study together. This is a Bible study program. If you listen on a regular basis, you know that. If you're, this is the first time you've tuned in, well, then I want to tell you that what, what the issue with us is what does the Bible say? We're not to uh, promote a denomination or a philosophy or a tradition or an organization. Uh, we don't have anything to. We don't have anything for you to subscribe to that way. Rather, we're here to exalt a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book called the Bible. And our goal and our aim is to help you understand and enjoy the Word of God so that that, that that the Word of God can can become alive and work in your life. Nothing is as exciting in all of your life as to have the Word of God effectually work in you that believe it. You never believe the Bible till you hear the Bible, understand the Bible, grasp what the Word of God says, and it's your faith resting in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you that liberates God's Word into your life as a living uh, force and, and the power of God working in your life. And that's what we desire for you. And that comes by understanding, having an intelligent understanding of God's Word. That's why we study the Bible, and we study what the Bible says week after week. We're down to Galatians chapter 6 uh, and in the book of Galatians. And this verse is probably one of those, uh, I shouldn't say probably, is one of those verses in Galatians that's widely known. Uh, I suppose most people that know anything about the book of Galatians know of Paul's statement, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Uh, it's strange but wonderful that Paul would glory in the cross. You know, sometimes you'd think that the cross would be the thing that you wouldn't want to glory in. Uh, that, that There's the, the, the instrument of affection, and yet Paul said that's the very thing that I... By the way, that word glory there, uh, sometimes folks, uh, the, the, the word that's translated glory... Uh, is has several different ways of expressing itself. The word glory is is, is the outward demonstration of joy. Uh, the word rejoice, that's, that's the, the private demonstration in the heart. And Paul is saying, I don't just have the, the private uh, um, uh, praise and, and, and boasting heart about the Lord. This is a thing that comes out in my life. My outward demonstration of life is designed glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'll recall that Peter at Pentecost, uh, well, at Pentecost, the crucifixion was considered a matter of shame. And Peter called upon the nation Israel to repent of the horrible crime of, of having mistaken their Messiah and crucified him. And because Israel did not and would not repent, 
It was for that reason that the nation has been set aside uh, in the purpose and program of God, and that, that takes place in the book of Acts. And through the fall of Israel, salvation goes to the, to the Gentiles through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And it's Paul, when you come to Paul's ministry, that you find Paul boasting in the cross and actually proclaiming the cross as the glorious remedy for man's uh, dreadful malady of sin. All that uh, that that uh, uh, boast in the in the preaching of the cross. It says, "For the preaching of the cross is, but unto us, us which are saved, it's the power of God." And it's because of, of of what the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished, because of the glory of the cross, that in the cross Jesus Christ put away our sins by the sacrifice of himself, that, in, that by the cross we're, we're justified through the redemption. It's, it's because of all that God did at the cross that Paul glories in the cross. And I want you to notice in Galatians 6.14 that that's what the verse says. Uh, oftentimes this verse is quoted, and then people proclaim the glory of the cross. But that isn't exactly what Paul is talking about here. He says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Because of what the cross accomplished, Paul gloried in the cross. He, he made the center, uh, uh, the focus, the object of his, of, his, of his glory, of his rejoicing, praise, of his worship, of his attention, of his honor. It was the centerpiece of all of Paul's life. Everything in Paul's life focused on the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what happened at the cross to make Paul so so uh, enamored and so captivated by the cross? Well, Galatians is a book of the cross. Every chapter we read about the cross. Chapter 4, verse number uh, 6, for example, we just read backwards here. Uh, we're told that, that Jesus Christ was made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. That we through this um, that we might receive the adoption of sons, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son in your hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." Wherefore we are no more servants, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God. All because of the cross work of Jesus Christ, we have this new identity of full grown sonship in the family of God. We've got this new position with God. Galatians three thirteen, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Galatians 2.20, uh, Paul says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Chapter 1, verse 4, he talks about the, the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. You see, the cross provides our salvation. It provides our initial justification and redemption before God. Uh, uh, we're redeemed. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. It's because of the cross we can sing that song, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We sing it was grace, redeeming grace that paid my ransom full and free. That, we sing that because of the cross. Then he says, I'm Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The cross isn't just the initial uh, uh, provider of our salvation. It's, it, it gives us power to become the sons of God. We sing the song, once far from God and dead in sin, no light my heart could see, but in God's word the light I found. Now Christ lives in me. Oh, what a salvation this, that Christ lives in me. 
God has given us an identity with Christ that, that affects every moment of our present existence. Why? Because of the cross. And that's what, what he's talking. He says he gave himself for us that he might deliver us. We've been delivered. We've been redeemed. We've been set free. We've been empowered. The cross is everything in, in Paul's mind. All of this, all of this is the special message committed to Paul's trust. It's what he called the preaching of the cross. Not, not just talking about the gory goo of the event, but the preaching of the accomplishments that Christ did at Calvary and what that means to us. Now, Galatians 6 is a very similar context. We've already seen in these verses, the Galatians spiritually ill. The cross and what God had accomplished there for us was being minimized to the Galatians by the denominationalists that were coming in and drawing their attention away from the finality of the cross of Christ and the reality of the resurrection life of Christ, pointing them toward denominational traditions and religious exercises. And Paul is concerned about them. We saw last time, verse 11, how, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hands. Paul's concerned about them, and, and he puts that concern in, into action by writing the letter himself. For as many as desire, verse 12 says, to make a fair show in the flesh. They, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. That's what religion does. Religion is designed for the satisfaction of the lust of your flesh, the works of the flesh, religion, self-effort, just glorying in your flesh. But verse 14, Paul says, but there's a great contrast in Paul's attitude. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith glories in the cross. Flesh glories in religion. Flesh glories in what you can do, or you can get somebody else like you to do for you. Faith glories in what God has accomplished for you at Calvary. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they can circumcise. You see, religion is just the big show of the flesh. As Paul lays them bare here, it's, 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 it's frightening how, how right to, the, to, the, to the heart of religion. He says the motives are simply to show off the flesh, show off the physical. They constrain you. To, they want you to have a physical operation, some outward change, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They don't want you to do it because it's going to benefit you, but because they want to avoid the cost of, uh, of losing everything for Christ's sake. Whatever the physical operation is, if it's a water ceremony or some sacraments and, and that, 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 are, that are to be observed, or if it's a beautiful building or a well-trained choir or, you know, some, some uh, in, in, in inspirationally said prayers or some um, homiletically balanced sermonettes, <laughs> the special days and the promotions and the drama and the, the praise and worship, whatever it is, Paul said it's just a fair show in the flesh. And it's designed to, to avoid the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross is that there's nothing that you and your flesh can do that God will accept. It has to all be his son. For neither they themselves who are circumcised, he says, keep the law. Desire to have you circumcised that, you may, that, they, may, that they may glory in your flesh. You see, religion is really just a cover. It's not that they, that they, they don't even... People 
people who are promoting religion to you, the people promoting it don't even do it perfectly like the demand is. You see, the law demands perfection. A fellow said one time, said to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. How you doing? <laughs> you got a problem, don't you? Well, if, if you can't do it, then somebody else to do it, telling them they have to. No. Religion in an effort to get, uh, get to the truth. If someone really wanted to hear what the law says, Paul's already said it in Galatians over and over. Go back and read Galatians 3 and 4. Don't you hear what the law says? You that don't you hear the law? Don't you pay attention to what it says? What does the law say? The law is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. It would teach you that you're not perfect, that you can't save yourself. You need a Savior. But they desire that you be circumcised. They desire to have this outward performance, this outward operation, this outward change, that they glory in your flesh. It's just something that causes them to look good so they can glory in themselves and their ability and your accomplishments and the achievements. You see, they think that if they show people what job they're doing, well, then they'll just uh, they'll, they'll glory in them and they'll ignore the other. Really, cover up for sin. Paul said, that's not what I'm at. But, and I go back over those verses just to get to that but in verse 14. But, there's another way of looking at things. God forbid, Paul says, that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I want to glory in Christ, just in him, just in what he's accomplished. The finished work that he's done at Calvary is everything to me. Paul said, I'm not looking to myself. I'm not looking at my own righteousness, my own power, my own ability. I just look off across the ages to the cross work of Calvary. Hallelujah for the cross. It's the basis of my acceptance before God. It's the basis of my salvation from start to finish, all the way through. I get saved through the cross. I live through the cross. And the cross is what will get me through to the end. Now, Paul gives a very personal reason. In fact, actually three very personal reasons in these verses for glorying in the cross. And again, he's not simply talking about the glory of the cross. It's because of the glory of the cross, what the cross accomplishes, that Paul glories in it. And he says, the, he says, God forbid that I should glory such Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul says, I, I glory in the cross because the cross changed my relationship to the world. Um, once I was locked into the world system, controlled by the world, and the cross changed all that. If you turn over from Galatians 6 to Ephesians 2, just the next book, Paul says that, um, that, that wherein in time past you walked according to the course of according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom all conversation in time past and the lust of our flesh, for the flesh into the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, in our past, before Christ, B.C., before the cross, we were, we were locked in. We walked according to the course of this world. Now, the world... Uh, here, is not talking about the planet, the earth. It's talking about the world system. Back in chapter 1 uh, of Galatians, he began talking about the world, that Jesus Christ gave himself for us, 
that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. The world there is the system that's under the control of the adversary. He's the prince of the power of the air, the, 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 the uh, one who controls the course of this world. First John five nineteen says that the whole world lies in wickedness, right into the in the lap and under the control of the wicked. Uh, it's like the 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 just cradles the world and all who are in it in his arm and rocks and lulls it to sleep. And the world is the system that promotes the ends, the goals, the aims, the desires, the designs of the satanic policy of evil. The world system is under the control of Satan, and it's the manifestation, the expression of his philosophy and his goals and his ambitions through which his program is developed. Colossians 1 calls it the power of darkness, the authority, the right of the satanic program of darkness, not light but darkness, not truth but the lie, to run, run and rule in your life. The thoughts, the ideas, the maxims, the, the, the uh, uh, whole ideas that surround the present evil age, uh, particularly so is it an evil age because it's the age of the official rejection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we live in a desperate world. The rightful king of the universe is absent. His own exile is rejected. And we live in a desperate age. Um, with, with, the, with the hope of the, this world on eggs, it's little wonder there are no answers here. This age, uh, the, the, the cares of this world weigh down all of us. It's an age of worries and anxieties and restlessness and confusion and, and, and uh, searching for something that's going to be real and satisfying and yet unable to find. We live in a foolish age. Paul says that when the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know, we live in a world that the only thing you don't know anything. <laughs> uh, and, and they just drift reasonless and uh, foolish, guided by evil passions. The course of this world dominated by those that, that live under the authority of the adversary. And Paul said, the cross changed all. The cross changed my relationship to that world. I'm dead to the world, and I'm alive unto God. You see, when you get saved, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes things for you. Paul says, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Salvation is taking you out of the world and giving you to God, putting you, taking you out of the world and putting you in Adam, putting you in God's program, in the church, the body of Christ, the channel through which his program is developed today, uh, and the manifestation of God's life and God's philosophy and God's attitudes and God's actions under his control, under his... That's where the believer is today, in Christ. The cross that cuts us off from the world and makes us alive to God. Now, the world might be religion or school or sex or ego or drugs or booze or greed or money or whatever it might be that, that's, that's caught you. Whatever the system that you're trapped in is the cross that changes it. And there are two sides to it. By whom the world is crucified unto That's the historic reality of being in Christ. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. The world's been crucified to you. Your union, when, when, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, God puts you in his son, and you're dead to sin. You're dead to the world and alive unto God. So he says, the cross crucifies the world unto me. That's my position. That's my identity. And I unto the world. That's the practical impact 
of the identity God gives you in his son. When I was put into Christ, Christ became everything and the world became nothing. And I just don't have a lot of interest in the world system anymore. That's the positional truth. That's the, the reality of who I am in Christ Jesus. You see, you're, you're separated from the world system by identification with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. You're dead to the world. But now you've, you, you, that, that, that new identity, when you understand, begins to have an impact. Paul said, I've lost my taste for the world. I'm, I'm dead to it. I just, just put it out of your mind. Put it away. It's buried, forgotten, ignored, and now I'm alive in the God. I can be all wrapped up in him, praising him, and for, for the spiritual blessings that he's given me in his son and the life and the purpose and the meaning that I have in Christ. You see, it just has to do with discovering what God's done for you, who he's made you in Christ, and walking in that reality by faith. When Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ, of Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. He says, the first reason I glory in the cross is because it changed my whole relationship to the world around me. I'm, I, I'm free. I'm in Christ. And now he's the one who's completely captivated my very soul. My friend, have you come to the place where you've gone past religion into the reality of life in Christ Jesus? Well, that's what Galatians... Galatians wants you to move beyond the, 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 the performance-based acceptance of, of denominations and religious systems into the grace-based identity God gives you in His Son. Could I give you a free Bible study tape that will help you go on with this? The tape's entitled, I Will Glory, and it's an exposition of this passage done with more time and more uh, ability to, to look at the things that we have just here in this short half hour together. If your life, if in your Christian life, your heart's desire is to have the, the, the life of Jesus Christ be what lives in you, then you need to listen to this. You need to get this Bible study, and you need to understand how it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And my friend, maybe you're not saved today. Many people that listen aren't. You don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven. You don't know for sure that you have eternal life as a present possession. You can know. And this tape, this Bible study, will help you to understand how that it's the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ that's the answer. I'd like to give you the tape. I'd like for you to have it so that you can study it on your own and have God's Word go to work in your life for His glory. To receive your complete, call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at the, at, at the Rich of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a, we have a rather uniquely designed Thrill Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is, is unique in, in several ways. First, we, we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather, rather than patterning our curriculum after the staff theologies that are uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we, we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way and, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord 
has for them. Another, another uniqueness of, of Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of a video. In other words, we, we send the school to you rather than you to come to us. And what that does is enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the, and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are. If you are or you have desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio. And I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God rightly divided and who rejoice in the message of grace and grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught in the rightly divided Word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me. And we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-20. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And, friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know. We'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that will make the way plain. That number again is 888-535-2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place, Maranatha. I want to Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. I'm Michael Easton, president of Fellowship Financial Group and host of the Retirement Income Show. In retirement, running out of income is not an option. Make sure your investment strategy is set up to support the retirement you dream of and deserve. Call Fellowship Financial at 407-949-5888, 407-949-5888, or visit us online at fellowshipfinancial.com. That's fellowshipfinancial.com. Our passion is helping you achieve your financial goals in retirement. Reach out today at fellowshipfinancial.com. I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group and timeshare cancellation advocate. I was sued by the largest timeshare company in federal court for simply helping people cancel their timeshare that they had been lied to about. The jury sized me up and came back with a verdict after only 20 minutes. And yes, one. My husband and I are more than grateful to everyone at Wesley Group. You know, thanks to Chuck and his team, we feel as though a weight has been lifted and we can move on without the worry of a troublesome time. Whether you owe ten to $250,000 on your my mission to get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off your back permanently. And we proudly hold an A-plus rating with our Better Business Bureau. Want to learn more about getting rid of your troublesome timeshare? Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free consultation. Call 800-881-4242. 
That's 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com. Alexa, tune in, iHeart, and radio.com. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Florida's most powerful voice in Christian talk radio. 50,000 watts. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word. WTLN. Orlando. Where faith comes by. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Look in chapter 21, verse 5. It says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. I like that. It doesn't say the plans lead surely to plenty, it says the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. And it doesn't say the diligent will be led to plenty. It says the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. It doesn't say the, land, the plans of the diligent might have plenty. It says lead surely to plenty. Isn't this a great verse? I could be here all afternoon. So circle the word plans. So you've got a plan. You've got to have a budget. You've got to understand how is my money coming in? How is it going out? How can I properly use this? And then it's there needs to be someone, and if you don't like the word diligent, I'll give you another free word. Write the word disciplined. Disciplined. You can work as hard as you can. You can have two jobs, three jobs, four jobs. You can set your wife out to work. You can get your kids to mow everybody else's yard so you have plenty of money. But if at the same time, we're not disciplined with what we have, it's not going to work. Look, 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 look up here. If I had a bucket, it doesn't matter how much water is coming in the top of the bucket. But if I got holes in the bottom of the bucket, it doesn't work. So again here, let's go. 